This is a WTOP original podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. I'm your host, Scott Greenberg. Today's episode features Kim Longbottom of Vintage Longbottom. Now, Kim grew up in New Zealand, but followed a boy to Australia to make wine. But today, she's working with her daughter, Margot in the business. Together, they formed a new brand called Vintage Longbottom, and it's designed to really appeal to a wider range of consumers, younger wine drinkers, as well as maybe some more older, sophisticated wine drinkers. So, stay tuned and drink in this wonderful episode with Kim Longbottom. Kim, first of all, thank you very much for being here in the studio with Thanks me. It's a real me. pleasure. You, you came a long way, all the way from down under. Yeah, right. I'm going to get better at it. <laughs> and uh, it's just really just a pleasure. I've known you for a little while. I should say I met you a while ago. We, we first met when you were with uh, doing a, a wine tasting with Henry's Drive. Yes. Uh, geez, that must have been uh, 10, 12 years yeah. ago uh, in Georgetown. And a lovely, lovely dinner and, and a w- wonderful meeting you. So I'm really excited that you're back. Uh, but I really want to talk about you and your story because it, you've taken a circuitous route to the vintage long bottom here. I mean, you know, at one point there you were minding your own business in New Zealand. You're a, a New Zealand girl. Yes. Right. And uh, this guy somehow comes in courting. And the next thing you know, you're in Australia making wine. Take me through that. Okay, so I was born and raised in Marlborough, New Zealand, in the Marlborough Sounds, actually, so quite a remote area of Marlborough. Right. I guess for me growing up, food and wine was very much a part of our culture, being brought up in a wine region. I moved to Australia, to Sydney in my 20s, and met my late husband, Mark, through a mutual friend. For me, moving to South Australia from Sydney, and Padway in particular, which is the town where Mark was living. He was born and raised there. He was a farmer who started converting his vineyards, uh, sorry, his farmland to to vineyards in the early 90s. So moving to a small town was quite the culture shock after living in Sydney for a few years. But I loved it. South Australia is not unlike New Zealand, um, and especially, obviously, the rural areas. From there, we um, started making wine in 98, which coincided with the birth of our daughter. So for us, that's a very spe- special vintage. Was that Margot? Margot, Okay. Yes. Right. So you had two vintages that year. Yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> you grew two things. Yeah. So, but, so now you're down in, in South Australia. And what was the name of that first project? Henry's Drive. That was Henry's Drive. Yeah. So we still have the Henry's Drive brand. Okay. It just has the overarching brand of vintage Longbottom now which is what we've just released this year. Right. So Henry's Drive was named after the proprietor of the mail coach that used to drive through our property in the late 1800s. You so, knew him, huh? I, <laughs> yeah. but you don't look that old. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. So, uh, yeah, Henry um, drove through our property. So we've always had that kind of postal theme with all of our branding. Right. right. Mm. Wasn't there like a postbox or pillbox or... Yeah, I had the pillar box brand. Pillar box, that was it. Yeah, it was in this market. So, uh, Kim, I have a little bit of a, of a confession to make to you, yeah. if I may. Mm-hmm. Right, I cut my teeth, my wine teeth, on those wines. That's Those were some of the wines that really got me into wine. The Your pillar, wines. The pillar box wines. The pillar box. Yeah. Right? I think... Um, they were delicious, affordable, Yeah, and I can still clearly remember graduating into Henry's Drive and thinking, 
wow, <laughs> it was a whole nother level. But more occasional wines, but I think for Pillarbox, it first hit the market in 2005 and was a juggernaut, I think. There was nothing as competitive as, as that wine at that price point. There right. was a state-grown fruit, you know, had a lovely contemporary bright label, and Chris Ringland was making the wine then, and I guess he was a bit of a rock star winemaker in this market, or still is. Right, right. Yeah. And a screw cap, if I recall. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. So well, two things that our importer told us at the time. He said, don't make a blend, no one will drink it, and don't put it under screw cap. So we we, <laughs> so? we we put it under screw cap and we thought about the whole red blend thing and we thought, well, because it was a Shiraz Cabernet Merlot and I thought, well, we'll sell through the Shiraz, chew through the Cabernet and then we'll be left with the Merlot. So we wanted to, to make a really great blend that people would drink every day and was it affordable? And we did. Yeah. Actually, yeah. That was like our house wine. Oh, good. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I mean, it, and it was at home whether you were having, you know, lamb chops or burgers. Which was really yeah. great about that wine. Yeah. So just thank you. Thank oh, you for thank my, you. my education way back yeah. when. Yeah. Yeah. People like you that made it such a success. Oh, well, I'm happy to be part of that. And now, so the, so you have the Henry's Drive still. Yes. And your newer, you, you've got, is it a new project? The, the whole idea of vintage long bottom? Because I see that we, we have some labels and we'll get into this in a minute. I, we'll talk about your, your rebranding in a minute, but yeah. take me back a little bit. Take me through the evolution of working with Mark and going through the um, the original Henry's Drive to to where we are now. Yeah, so um, as I mentioned, our first vintage was in 1998, and we just had the two wines then, so the Henry's Drive Shiraz and the Henry's Drive Shiraz Cabernet. A couple of years later, we introduced a reserve into that range, and then in 2004, we decided to create Pillar Box. Um, I guess we had a lot of customers were saying, we love Henry's Drive, but we can't afford to drink it every day. So we thought, well, there's certainly a market there for our loyal porters to create a wine that they could drink every day. So that was in 2004, released into this market in 2005. So from there, the growth of that brand and the Henry's Drive Brands was quite exponential. We went from 20,000 cases to about 80,000. Um, wow. Yeah, it was uh, okay. quite, quite the ride. That's a boom. Yeah, yeah. My late husband, Mark, unfortunately passed away in 2008. I am sorry. Thank you. So from there, I've continued to keep the wine company running. Last year, I brought my daughter into the company. She's studying at the moment, but she comes in and helps me with social media and some marketing support. Right. So we looked at we looked at everything in our business and we wanted to make some changes to reflect her coming into the wine uh, into the wine company. So we looked at regions, Pathway in terms of proximity was three hours away from from where we lived in Adelaide. We liked, Margot loved the Adelaide Hills, and I guess for a younger person, the Adelaide Hills fruit uh, delivers more elegance and a little bit more restraint than the bigger, riper, rounder, Padway style of red wines. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so for us, we thought we'd reinvent our H brands, which are, are these two here, um, and start sourcing the fruit from the Adelaide Hills. And then... 
McLarenvale seemed like the natural progression for us to start sourcing fruit for the Henry's Drive brands. Right. Where's McLarenvale in relationship to Adelaide? That's about 40, uh, 40 minutes south. South, yeah. okay. Yeah, and the Adelaide Hills is about 20 minutes out of Adelaide. Okay, I need to get to Australia. I'm going to come visit. Good. I need to get down there because I think of Australia as just one big single region. Isn't that terrible? Yeah, it is. That's, that's a terrible, that's regions. right. Yeah. 64? Yeah. 64 wine regions. Yeah. So Adelaide, is Adelaide considered a wine region or is it a, does it have smaller appellations within that region? Yeah. So Adelaide is the capital of South Australia and within South Australia, there's a whole bunch of different wine regions. So you've got Adelaide Hills, uh-huh. um, which is has more elevation than a lot of the other regions. Okay. McLaren Vale, which has a more maritime climate. You have the Barossa Valley, the Clear Valley. And those are all in in the Adelaide region or in South Australia? In South Australia. So, I, see, I need a map. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, doing. right. And you're in Adelaide Hills? Yes. Okay. And the other wine comes from, as you said, which region? It's um, uh, McLaren, McLaren Vale. Vale. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I'm really looking forward to that. And so this is really kind of, you've gone through this evolution and now it's called Vintage Longbottom. Yeah, so that's the overarching brand um, and the new identity about being a mother and daughter wine company. And I know there's a lot of mother and daughters, but we're just mother and daughter. We're not part of a bigger family. So right. it's, you know, it's quite an interesting dynamic. And tell me about the dynamic. What does that mean? An interesting <laughs> dynamic. <laughs> you just can't throw that softball out there hanging. Well, for us, uh, I guess Margot was born into what Mark and I created. So she was she, the 96 vintage? 98. 98 vintage, okay. Mm-hmm. So um, for her, she's grown up around food and wine as I did in right. Rora. So um, she's been you know, dying to be part of that. So um, it's nice having her involved. And I guess for the last 10 years since Mark passed away, it's, it's just been me. So now it's nice to have her, even though she's sort of still studying and involved in a smaller capacity. It's just nice to be sharing that now with somebody. Is she studying winemaking, branding, marketing? Commerce. Commerce. Yeah. And what is the your vision uh, for for you and your daughter wow. with the Longbottom brand? Okay. So for the next you know five to 10 years, I guess we drive that together. And then I'm looking at stepping back a little bit more and letting right. her take the reins. So... You know, I have a little bit more time. So to... she's definitely your succession plan. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And see, that would make her, wait, I guess, 24? Uh, she's 21 now. 21 now? Yeah. Oh, right, 98. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Carry the one. Yeah. Forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do math differently uh, in, in the Southern Hemisphere. Apparently, <laughs> Apparently so. so. <laughs> yeah, she's a year, she's a vintage behind. <laughs> I forget. So then um, you and your daughter are working on this project together. Who's doing the winemaking in um, this? Matt Wink is making, okay. making the wines. So he's he's making the wines and you do you own the vineyards? Are you contracting grapes? How what is the I did own the vineyards. Um, but I guess for me I wanted to simplify my business. It's a lot to manage vineyards and oversee the winemaking, do the sales and marketing. So for me now, I work with growers in the Adelaide Hills and the McLaren Vale regions. So that's where we're sourcing the fruit from. So you did change wine regions when you started this. You moved away from Pathway. Yes. And and now uh, up in the in the Adelaide. And was there a specific reason other than you did mention that Margot loved 
that area. But was there another? Did you see different opportunities there? Yeah, we did. So it was a proximity reason, and and also really just taking the wines to a new level in terms, like stylistically. So with the H wines, as I mentioned, Adelaide Hills has a lot more elevation. It's cooler climate. So we were able to make wines that appeal to Margot and her age group as well as more mature um, drinkers. Like me. Yeah. yeah. The, you, you, we keep talking about the H brand. Mm-hmm. What does H, what does that stand for? What, what is the H brand? Hills. Hills. The, the Hills just, we call that, our home that's now. That's just Hills. Yeah. H. Mm. Hills. Adelaide Hills. Okay. And... Now that I see the wines in front of me, which we're going to taste in a minute, because I'm very excited about that. That's one of the reasons. One of the reasons I invite people is so that I can drink. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I wanted to. I'm very excited. Again, huge fan of yours from the way back days, you know, in the Henry Drives days. So I'm very excited about these wines uh, and how they appeal to, as you said, both newer consumers and and some of what I would consider myself a mature consumer, which is is interesting because what is your take and to kind of paint this with a broad brush a millennial drinker you know somebody you know millennials are are into a lot of craft cocktails and a lot of craft beers what is your vision for appealing to some of those millennial drinkers as well as people like me who you know are, are maybe a little bit more um, experienced in in our wine drinking or looking for something a little bit different can you cross over is there a crossover or do you have to make Two separate brands. I'm really kind of actually fascinated by this because my children, who are now in their 20s, were getting ready to take a family trip and they just raided my cellar. And I was shocked at the wines that they picked out uh, that they are now drinking in a good way, shocked in a good way because they're wines that I want to drink, actually. But what do you see, at least in, in your market, do you see a difference in? The millennial versus, you know, maybe the next generation or two up of wine drinkers? Yeah, I guess in Australia, a lot of the millennials are drinking wine. Um, they're certainly drinking the cocktails and the craft beers, but you see a lot of wine as well. And, okay. and I think uh, one of the cool things for, for Margot is educating her friends about wine if they're out. She always gets handed the wine list. So I think if you're a little bit like me growing up in Marlborough, if you're brought up in that kind of region, like that's part of your food and wine culture. With our new branding, I think that's probably more appealing to the millennials than than our uh, classic style of branding that we had before. So with the bright colors and the more contemporary right, design. Right. So you have rebranded this. Yes. To be more, yeah, and I noticed that. Yeah, so the, this, the H wine used to be black and white and it was um, very clean and clear in its design. Uh, now we've added in these um, illustrations, which are part of the Adelaide Hills patchwork. So, And then the different colours for each varietal as well. So, And, and right. getting Margot involved in that and selecting the colours, I think, you know, colours that appeal to uh, the younger audience. The Sauve Blanc has sort of this pastel yellow background with... Mustard. Mustard? Mm-hmm. Mustard. <laughs> the, okay, then I'm not even going to attempt to say what that color is. <laughs> the, and the, and the uh, um, Shiraz? Pink. All right, pink. See, I would have said that's more of a magenta. Yeah. Yeah? Potato, potato. Yeah, tomato, right. tomato. Yeah, there you go. And it's, it is, now you say Shiraz. Shiraz? I say Syrah. 
Syrah. For that wine? Yeah. I do, uh, which reflects the style. It's more elegant, medium-bodied. Um, now I'm completely confused. Okay. So, and then the next wine that we'll talk about in a moment, I call Shiraz because it's uh, denser, more concentrated. Important to note, though, same grape? Yes. Right. Because I was always under the impression that Syrah, we referred to sort of in America and in Europe, and Shiraz... <laughs> <laughs> more of an Australian kind of branding of Syrah. But yeah. you're you're actually saying one is Syrah and one is Shiraz. Yeah, and it's depicted by style. And you see that a lot more in Australia now. Really? So, yeah. So more elegant, um, like I said, medium body, cooler climate um, Shirazes uh, being labeled Syrah because that will indicate what style of Shiraz Well, when did that start? Mm, maybe five years ago. Really? Yeah, oh, maybe. I'm out of that. Yeah. Okay. I did not know that. Now, now I've learned something new today. Good. And what I really want to learn today is how delicious these wines are. So I think we've kind of come to that point in our podcast where we actually get to try these. So yeah. you're going to hear the sound now. Okay. You ready? I love that. Right? That's our cork popping so that we get to, <laughs> we get to actually try these wines, even though they're in screw cap. <laughs> so it's just ironic that that's how we're going to do this. So take us through the, the, the tasting, Kim. I noticed the first one, obviously white wine. Yes. Tell me about it. What, uh, it's the 2018 mm-hmm. uh, Vintage Long Bottom H Sauvignon Blanc. Um, this is the first Sauv Blanc that I've made. Um, really? Yeah. It smells wonderful. Doesn't it smell great? It does smell great. Yeah. yeah. So, And being born and raised in Marlborough, I guess it was inevitable that one day I would make a Sauv Blanc. Um, so we, we had two parcels of fruit. Um, that we picked. One was slightly riper than the other. So what we've done is um, uh, matured that in barrel in French punchins. Really? Yeah. And then the other um, slightly leaner, uh, racier, zingier parcel was fermented in tank. Okay. So I've got a little bit, I assume the the oak was neutral? No. No, it wasn't. No, second year. Really? Second year oak? Yeah. Which means that the wine did pick up some of that yeah. Toasty you, goodness. Yeah. And you can smell that in the aroma. It's got that lovely. Um, it does have a little bit of that vanilla pop in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Atypical, at least on the nose, atypical of what I would consider a, a, a typical New Zealand Sauve Blanc. This doesn't smell like a New Zealand Sauve Blanc. No, it's more tropical. Right. Um, guava kind of characters. Some nice zesty lime characters as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. But for me, I wanted to create um, a more complex style of soft blanc, more medium weight, nice creaminess on the palate. Mission accomplished. Thank you. Yeah, I love this one. Yeah, so you know, soft blanc to me goes one of two ways, right? It's it's either um, a soft blanc that you want with just a hammock and a bucket of ice or um, a soft blanc that you think of would go really well with food. Mm-hmm. And I think this is in that latter category. Yeah. You know, it's a, a little bit of a richer style. And yet, that acidity in the back is still really, you know, giving that juicy mouthfeel. But you've got this wonderful attack of that tropical fruit right up front. And I'm just thinking, oh, grilled scallops or shrimp on the bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just, would go great with this. Yeah, I think it, you're right. It's a food-friendly wine. But, I mean, I love to have a glass of it after work. As mm. well, just on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you could have this with a whole bunch of different foods. Yeah, seafood in particular comes to mind. Um, any chicken dishes. Yeah. I don't know why I'm just thinking like 
um, shellfish with this would be, you know, oysters mm. would be just wonderful with yeah. this. Oyster morning. Yeah, right. Let's yeah. go get some. Yeah. It's okay. almost lunch. All right. All right. It's nice to drink in the morning. So the the next wine is also another H yeah, so this branded. Is, it is. This is the 2017 H Syrah, again from the Adelaide Hills. This style of wine is becoming more and more popular in Australia because it has a bit more elegance and restraint than some of the more traditional classic styles of Australian Shiraz. This wine was matured in first and second year uh, French oak for about 12 to 13 months. Yeah, just a great nose. Now, I have to say that I, I cheated and read the uh, tasting sheet ahead of time. And one of the things that it said about the aromas was said rhubarb. Mm-hmm. I mean, rhubarb? That rhubarb? Wow. Yes, rhubarb yeah. on the nose. You, mm. it's, I would not have believed it, but that's, uh, yeah, beautiful rhubarb. And you <laughs> kind of got this black cherry. Yeah, black cherry, mulberry, yeah. Um, pomegranate. So it's all those lighter styles of, of fruit. And, right. Yeah. A more elegant style of Syrah. Yeah. Or I don't want to offend anyone, but it's a podcast. Um, more, I would almost say it's a feminine style of Syrah if there was such a thing. Oh, I totally agree. You yeah. Know? It's very pretty. Um, I get a lot of violets on the aroma as well. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Can I taste it? Yeah, of course. Well, you got to keep talking while I taste it. Yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise there's just <laughs> silence. <laughs> um, no, I, I again, I think that this style is, is where Australian Shiraz is headed. It seems to be increasingly popular in the market. Wow. Wow. Isn't it? That is not yeah, what I was expecting. Really? Not at all. That is really bright and lovely and juicy. It's juicy. Yeah, super juicy. Yeah. Super juicy. And, you know, it's not sort of that um, knock you back Shiraz that I, you know, that I kind of associate with a bigger, uh, heavier Australian Shiraz. That is just, that is lovely. Yeah, it's, it's very elegant and, as, as you mentioned, very feminine as well. So, I, I don't know why this just popped into my head, but will, will it age? Like, how long can I keep this around? What year is it? We said already. 2017. 2017. Um, yeah, I definitely think this wine will age, um, you know, six to eight years plus. Yeah. That's, wow. That is just a thank you. Thank yeah. you. I must, yeah. I, wow. I'm going to go in one more time. I'm sorry. It's really good. I think I'm going to swallow the next one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. I think the. Um, the perception of Australian Shiraz is, is really changing in um, in this market. Whereas before, um, you know, people were thinking that there was one style of Australian Shiraz and that was it. Yeah, so, guilty. Yeah. yeah. I, like so, I said, I thought Australia was one big region. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, you know, really it's about the education, but we're not a one trick pony and it's, we've got so many different regions with different climates, these different clones, there's so many like variation right, of Shiraz. Yeah. And so what I, I really like about this Syrah, as you said, Syrah, not Shiraz, is I, the versatility of it. I could really just sit down and drink a glass of this or I could have on its own. Yeah. Or, or I could have it with food. Yeah. Which I don't typically think of Australian Shiraz. With Australian Shiraz, I'm usually, yeah, what am I going to eat with it? You know, so um, 
this this particular one is very versatile. Yeah, and I think um, what I like to to um, eat with this um, wine is like duck dishes, pork dishes, but lamb as well. So, or you know, and even some beef dishes. But, right, um, Peking duck. Yeah, or duck, yeah. duck cassoulet. Yeah, yeah, super good. With this would be super good with that. Yeah, and again, as I said, on its own. So. Um, now we're heading into our third wine. So, and I'm really interested in the Magnus. It's a, an homage to Mark. Yes, it is. So, Mark, when Mark passed away in 2008, this was always his favorite wine. And in 2008, we it had been branded as Henry's Dry Reserve Shiraz, but because it was his favorite wine, I wanted to honor him with naming it Magnus. So, we had an, an M on the label to honor him and. Um, I thought, well, we probably need to call it a name beginning with M, and Magnus means great. So this is our greatest wine. Mm-hmm. What a what a lovely tribute! Thank you. You know, that's just just wow. I'm really kind of blown away. So this is the Henry's Drive Magnus. Yes. Shiraz. Yes. That's Shiraz, right? And uh, what vintage again? 2017. Two th- okay, I'm going in. So this is your more traditional. Okay, yeah, right off the bat on the nose, yeah. you can you could pick this out of a lineup. Yeah, I mean with the 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 um, the H, it's a really pretty Syrah, and you would say, oh, you know what, that reminds me of you know kind of more of a European. Yes, so, but this one, yeah, it, absolutely Australian yeah. Shiraz, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, big, beautiful. Yeah. It's super concentrated. Oh, yeah. The, the vineyards are much lower yielding, so you're getting a lot of that fruit concentration. It's also um, aged for just over two years in brand new French punchins. Right. Right. So you're getting that lovely soft oak integration with this wine. It's like really nicely balanced. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat on that nose, of course, you're getting that black fruit. You get a little bit of lavender. Getting a little, for me, I'm getting kind of like almost a, a black licorice on it too, yeah, which is absolutely. just lovely. Yeah. So I'm going to got to taste this. Yeah. It's just, wow. I can't, it, I don't know whether I want to taste it or where it, it is. It's a very complex wine. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's got so much length. Even though it's a big concentrated wine, it's it's not overripe. So you do still see that lovely elegance. No, and no, really, it just it. shines through. And you know what? That's a good point. It It is not overripe. Not overripe at all. As a matter of fact, if anything, I kind of feel it like it's a Goldilocks wine. Not too light, not too heavy. It's just right. You get a lot of that fruit in the center of the palate. Yeah. And uh, yet it's got this beautiful accent on on the, the finish. It's just, taste it again. It's just like a lot of that. It's, you know what it is? It's rich. It is rich. But um, I think the key for this wine and all of our wines is... Picking the fruit at the right time. Mm. So you're still getting those lovely um, concentrated characters, yeah. but that you don't go into that overripe character. That's lovely. Yeah, I'm really happy with that. He's probably thinking right now, wow, I'd, good on you. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Yeah, so well done. Well, Kim, thank you so much for joining us in the studio today. It's been a real pleasure. It's been too long since uh, our last meeting, but I am so thrilled that you were able to make it uh, all the way up here. And um, when I'm down in Melbourne. (laughs) You have to work on that Australian accent. (laughs) (laughs) A lot. (laughs) I I promise I will. Anyway, when I'm in Australia. (laughs) 
Australia in uh, in uh, hopefully in December. I'd love to uh, maybe stop by. Be, yeah, that'd be great. It'd be great to thank pay you a visit. Welcome. All right, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Vine Guy, a WTOP News podcast. The wines we tasted today were the 2018 Vintage Longbottom H Sauvignon Blanc, the 2017 Vintage Longbottom H Syrah, the 2017 Henry's Drive Shiraz, and the 2017 Henry's Drive Magnus Single Vineyard Reserve Shiraz. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at The Vine Guy and catch my Wine of the Week segments on Fridays on WTOP and WTOP.com. Sarah Beth Hensley produced this episode. The music you heard is Wishful Thinking by Dan Leibowitz, available in the YouTube audio library. Until the next time, do good, drink well. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.